and welcome to Medical Alert Live Healthy Hour. And we continue our Healthy Hour series to provide our members with additional resources during this unprecedented time. This is really a unique time for everyone, and we're grateful that you're joining us here today. My name is Melody Howard, and I'm the Community Alliance's Director at Medical Alert Foundation, and I will be your host today. I've been with Medical Alert for over 30 years, and during those years, I've worked in many different areas of the foundation, and it's truly the members and our mission that keep me going. Today, I'll be sharing information about Medical Alert, about Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, Asthma and Allergies, Protecting Yourself During COVID-19 Q&A with Kenny Mendez from the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, and we'll wrap up the session by providing some useful resources for you. Many of you here today already know about Medical Alert, but for those who don't, I'll give you a brief background. Um, we are the original medical ID created in 1956. Today's discussion includes a subject very near and dear to our hearts as it's the reason that we were created and it was to protect a child with a severe allergy. What's unique about Medical Alert is that we go beyond just an ID. Our IDs are backed by a 24-7 emergency response team who are standing by to relay your critical medical information to first responders. And Medical Alert is the only nonprofit organization in the medical ID space. All of our revenues fund our emergency services and help provide IDs and memberships to people in financial need. Our mission is to help save and protect lives by sharing vital information in our members' moments of need. Here's how the Medical Alert service works. Your medical ID is engraved with the most vital health, allergy, and identification information. In an emergency, first responders contact our 24-7 emergency response team to get your full health record. Your health record includes additional health data and emergency contacts, which we relay to emergency personnel. We've trained first responders to look for your medical alert ID, empowering them with vital information. Now, more than ever, Given the current pandemic, it is so important for first responders to know about any existing conditions so that you can get the best possible care. Medical Alert is your voice when you need us most. I'm delighted to introduce you to our guest today, Kenny Mendez, President and CEO of the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America is our newest and exciting partnership and you'll be hearing more about that in the near future. Kenny graduated from Harvard and Columbia Business School. He has two children with asthma and allergies. He joined AAFA in 2018 to lead a multi-year strategic plan to dramatically reduce the impact of asthma and allergies. He also served as an external reviewer and patient advocacy expert for the Institute of Clinical and Economic Reviews. Kenny, I will, oops, sorry. <laughs> I will hand it over to you and you can talk about the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America. Great, Melody, thank you. Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can, thank you. Great, great. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, we as an organization, the Asthma and Allergy Foundation of America, we call ourselves AFA. Um, we've, we're the oldest and the largest nonprofit patient advocacy organization. Uh, representing those with food allergies, uh, regular um, uh, allergic asthma, and um, you know seasonal allergies, um, and we try and amplify the patient voice. And uh, we've very much been part of this um, coronavirus um, pandemic as it's evolved, trying to communicate best practices and communicate information that we have going out there. So we're happy to be here. Um, we're based in Washington, D.C., uh, the Washington, D.C. area. We've got a division called Kids with Food Allergies that also focuses on very specifically food allergies for kids and caregivers and how to deal with that. So very happy to be partnered with you in this and uh, speaking to the, uh, the group today. Great. Thank you so much. Well, now uh, we'll move on to question and answer segment of today's session. Thanks to everyone who pre-submitted questions. We have so many great questions. 
Um, we do hope to cover as many of those as possible. And I want to apologize in advance that we won't be able to get to everyone's questions, but we'll tackle just as many as we can. So let's um, go ahead and get started. We are actually going to answer questions in the following categories, risk of coronavirus, symptoms, asthma, allergies, or COVID, allergies, in an emergency, outcomes, and lung health. So with that, we have our first question and category is risk of coronavirus. This question, these questions were actually submitted by a number of folks. Um, I use an inhaler to control my asthma. Will this make me more susceptible to COVID-19? And what precautions should I be taking? Sure, Th thank you, Melody. You know, th that is an important question for folks because I think it's top of mind as the CDC has spoken about the risks of uh, COVID-19. Upper respiratory and asthma is certainly something that they've they've mentioned. But um, you know, people sometimes are concerned about steroids and the use of asthma inhalers. But what we've been encouraging folks is to stay compliant with your medication. Um, there's no data available out there right now for any kind of risk factors with respect to using your asthma inhalers. So what we've been trying to tell the public is make sure you control your asthma for a number of reasons. One is you don't want to be visiting the emergency room um, in case you have an asthma attack. So you really want to keep it in control. We have an asthma action plan, which uh, many should know about if you have asthma. We'll be going into that in a little bit. But it's really important to take your medications as prescribed and then practice the common sense, social distancing, washing your hands, um, trying your best not to go out outside and, and um, really try to not catch uh, the, the disease. Hey, thank you. And I think this is your asthma action plan. Yeah, that, that's right. I mean, that, this is really important for anyone who has asthma um, to make sure that they have this. It's available for free on our, on our website um, that really talks about how to deal with your asthma and how you're feeling and what you ought to be doing in case you're feeling an asthma attack coming on or if you're struggling with your asthma. Great, thank you. Also, I want to point out, be making sure that your medical alert record is up to date and having an ID that states exactly your condition. Um, the CDC is actually recommending anyone with pre-existing conditions have an ID, especially during this particular time. And question number two, also risk of coronavirus, submitted by Rochelle. Does uncontrolled allergy-induced asthma put you more at risk of COVID-19? Yeah, so you know, it, we have to keep some perspective here. One of the things I wanna remind everyone is that uh, COVID-19 hasn't been around for that long, so there's not a lot of good data out there. And that's one of the things that we try and do as an organization. We've got a medical scientific board who is, is looking at all the data that's coming out there that helps us communicate and give guidance to the public. Um, we're really at the beginning stages of this to really get some data on what's there, uh, what's out there right now. Um, but there, there's no solid data now uh, in terms of allergy-induced asthma putting you more at risk. And, and in some cases, for example, in New York, um, there's some evidence of a lower death rate from COVID-19 uh, in patients with asthma. So there's not a lot of data out there right now about it. Again, one of the things that we continue to recommend is keep control of your asthma so you don't end up in the emergency room and have to deal with um, not only an asthma attack, but possibly catching COVID-19 and, and, and having both at the same time. Thank you. Question three, um, submitted by Carol. I have asthma and previously had pneumonia and bronchitis. I'm also type one diabetic. I assume I'm very high risk. Yes, well, Carol, um, unfortunately, you're, you're right. Um, the Center for Disease Control, see the CDC, uh, includes diabetes as a top risk factor. Um, asthma may also put you at higher risk. There are a lot of these comorbidities out there right now. Um, so COVID-19 has impacted uh, people of all ages and backgrounds, but according to the WHO, the World Health Organization, um, and then also the CDC, uh, there are higher risk groups. So 
you know, they're as follows, you know, if you're caring for someone with COVID-19, you're obviously at higher risk of catching it if they're near, nearby you. Um, if you're over 65, that's another risk factor. If you're pregnant, um, that's another risk factor. And then these chronic medical conditions like um, diabetes, but there are others that go along with that, which are um, obesity, high blood pressure, heart disease, uh, you know, renal failure, liver disease. Uh, and then if you're immunocompromised, um, so for example, if you're on cancer treatments, that's another group that's um, at high risk. And then asthma is there too, along with chronic lung disease, COPD. So all those things together are risk factors. You know, we're also seeing data um, in the United States in, in certain populations, I think you've read about this in the press, that uh, Black, Latino, and Native American communities, um, along with lower income groups, are disproportionately being affected by the virus. And, uh, you know, that's something that's very much on our mind as um, an organization. And, um, you know, there really are long-term disparities uh, associated with coronavirus and the treatment here, and the same thing with asthma. So, so those disparities aren't a surprise to us because we say this, we see the same thing with respect to asthma. Thank you. This question submitted by Kevin and Mary, also risk of coronavirus. How much does having moderate to severe seasonal allergies increase the risk of complications with COVID-19? Yeah, so let's, um, th thank you for that question, Kevin and Mary. Let, let's, um, let's dissect this question a little bit because as you ask, um, you know, how much do moderate to severe seasonal allergies increase the risk of complications? Well, you know, right now there's no data out there that says that seasonal allergies increase the risk of, of complications. Again, as I said earlier, it's too new right, right now. But um, to the extent that you have seasonal allergies and that's a trigger for your asthma, then that's, that's an issue because the asthma, and if you have an asthma attack, it could end you up in the emergency room for what I said earlier. So what you really wanna be doing is controlling your, your asthma and controlling your allergies, especially if they trigger asthma. So it's the height of pollen season right now. We're entering into it, spring pollen season, and that can be a real trigger for those with um, uh, allergic asthma and allergies. So that's something where um, you want to be taking your allergy medications. Um, you know, talk to your doctor about that if it's if, if you're if you're struggling with it. There are steroid nasal sprays that work for um, your allergies to reduce them, and uh, you want to stay indoors as much as possible. Um, check the weather report for uh, pollen counts as well, and um, really try and avoid going outdoors if that triggers your your asthma. So keeping your asthma under control is, is, and your allergies under control is really a top priority in this environment. Thank you. Um, next question submitted by Lang. I have eosinophilia asthma. Should I discontinue injections of Fasenra? Yeah, again, thank you, Lang. You know, one, one of the things to remember, again, same theme here, if there's anything that, that I want to make sure people understand from this, is to control your asthma. So discontinuing or interrupting your treatment um, could make your asthma symptoms worse and result in possibly having to have emergency treatment for it. So um, we shouldn't discontinue those injections. However, I know some of them uh, take place in the doctor's office and some of the doctors are dialing back their office visits. So it's really important to talk to your doctor. I think there's some, um, there's some movement about to be able to either have remote um, um, at home kind of um, administration of it, if you feel comfortable doing that yourself. That's still not out there yet, but we've been talking to um, some of the folks who administer this stuff. So it's, it's really important to talk to your doctor first about um, how to maintain your asthma medications, and in particular, the injections that you get um, to control your, your asthma. Thank you. This question submitted by Carolyn. If I have taken pneumonia shots, will they help prevent COVID-19? Yeah, so Carolyn, I'm, I'm glad you asked this question because the answer is no, and want to make sure everyone realizes that, that uh, 
the, the pneumonia vaccine protects um, against the bacterial pneumonia. So that's something to remember um, from streptococcus uh, you know, pneumonia. So it's not gonna protect you against the, the pneumonia that comes from COVID-19 cases. However, anything you could do to prevent yourself from getting pneumonia will help keep you out of the hospital, um, stay safe and, and uh, not be exposed to the coronavirus. That's one of the things that we were saying early on back in uh, the end of January, every year as we get close to flu season, we've said, you know, get a flu shot to make sure that you, you don't end up with the flu because that is a real trigger for um, complications if you have uh, asthma and could result in pneumonia. So it's really important to um, not, um, not get yourself in, in, in a risk situation there. Thank you. Um, these questions were submitted by a number of you. So it's a pretty popular question. The category is symptoms, asthma, allergies, or COVID. How can I tell the difference between chronic asthma and allergies versus COVID-19 symptoms? And how do you distinguish between symptoms of COVID-19 and allergies and asthma? Is fever the only difference? Yeah, so that's a, a great question. If you could advance to the next slide as I talk through the you know, answering this, because I think we've got a picture here, a graphic, and it's available on our website, um, AFA.org, and it's something that we've been communicating and updating since, um, you know, early, uh, the, the end of January. And this, this uh, graphic here shows you the various differences between having COVID-19, having a cold, having the flu, having seasonal allergies, and we've been updating it because, for example, the CDC just came out with recent guidelines um, because, again, the data is so new here of new symptoms um, that point to COVID-19. So we try and define them here uh, and we update them on a regular basis. But there are many symptoms that overlap with COVID-19, uh, uh, the cold, flu, and season allergies. So fever, a dry cough, um, shortness of breath, are all the most common symptoms of COVID-19. Um, sneezing and a runny nose or a stuffy nose are more common for a cold or seasonal allergies. So those are things to keep in mind. But if you have any symptoms, um, you really need to be um, talking to your doctor. And again, if you're struggling with your asthma or your breathing, make sure you comply with your asthma action plan. And, and again, talk to your doctor, uh, keep up with your medications, make sure that um, you stay out of the uh, the emergency room and, and work work with your healthcare provider. Great, thank you. And I know that um, this is a lot of great information and I know that we had a lot of questions concerning asthma attacks and knowing the difference between that attack and what it felt like to have COVID-19. Sure. Next section on allergies. Um, a number of folks submitted this qu these questions as well. Should I still take my allergy shots? And should I continue getting allergy shots at the hospital during COVID-19? Yeah, again, so th this is similar to the question about Fizenra and, you, and your um, in injectable asthma medications. Um, you know, you do want to keep your allergies under control, but then there's the trade-off of having to go in and get the shots. So um, regular shots are an effective way to help you manage your, your, um, your allergies and allergic asthma. Um, but because a lot of the clinics have cut back on this um, for your allergy shots, you really need to be talking to your doctor and they might be able to adjust the medication um, or, or adjust how it's administered um, so you could kind of keep compliant and not lose ground with um, the therapy that you're getting. But best thing to do is kind of talk to your doctor. And I think they're working on ways to accommodate having these shots, um, you know, given that, you know, things are people are staying at home, and some of the practices are, are dialing back actual office visits. Thank you. This next question submitted by Laura. I can't get my regular allergy shots, and my asthma has been terrible. What can I do? Yeah, so a couple things. Again, back to that asthma action plan. Um, you want to follow the yellow zone instructions, I think, uh, on your asthma action plan and, and make sure to call your doctor to let them know that you're struggling with, with your asthma. Um, 
They might be able to adjust your asthma and allergy medication to help you keep it under control. So again, making that call to your healthcare provider. Um, and also try and avoid triggers as much as possible. So if you have pollen allergies, as I said before, try and stay indoors, um, watch the pollen counts. Um, and again, if you visit, uh, the other thing that we have on our website, afa.org slash IAQ, we've got some tips there for improving your indoor air quality. Uh, we look at various products out there and certify them using a scientific standard uh, to say that they're, they're um, asthma and allergy friendly. But um, really, uh, again, talk to your doctor about uh, your regular allergy shots. Um, and that they should and hopefully will be able to work with you. Thank you. This question was submitted by Craig. Do any standard over-the-counter allergy medicines compromise the immune system or make one more, one more susceptible to the coronavirus? Great, Craig, yeah. So this is the kind of thing that we, we, we want to make sure people understand and get out there that there's, they do not suppress your immune system. So there could be rumors out there, but you know what we're, we're trying to communicate out there is that OTC, allergy medications, antihistamines have, uh, do not suppress your immune system. There's no data that shows that um, and uh, of increasing your chances of getting COVID-19 or, or any other virus or bacterial infection. So uh, important uh, to keep in mind and thank you for asking that question. Thank you. Also in the category of allergies submitted by Sue, how can I avoid bringing outdoor allergens inside? Yeah, so um, again, there, there's some, some basics there, but if you're outside, uh, leave your shoes outside. When you bring your dog in, if you have a pet, um, make sure you wash them down before you bring, it, bring them into the house. That's really important. Um, take your, you know, switch your clothes, take your jacket off, leave them in a certain place. Um, and then uh, we always encourage you to kind of take a shower, uh, bathe before you, uh, you go to bed or after you've come outside because the pollen does get on you, on you physically and then you could bring that inside. And then when you're indoors, again, you go to a website, you look at some of the things that we recommend in terms of vacuuming, HEPA filters, other things that you could be doing in, indoors to make sure that um, you reduce the amount of uh, pollen and improve your indoor air. Uh, quality. Okay. This question was submitted by Elizabeth. The pollen count is so high that I get winded when I walk outside, even with a mask. What suggestions do you have? Yeah, Elizabeth, de definitely. I, I hear you because I, I experienced that a little bit myself. I, you know, I've got, I've got asthma. Um, it, being able to breathe is pretty important, uh, especially when you have asthma. And, um, if you have trouble breathing, I mean, the only thing you could do is avoid situations where you would need to wear that mask outdoors. So what that really means is, you know, if you have to go out and go shopping or something like that, you really maybe need to see if someone can do that for you or use a delivery service um, so you don't have to go out and be outdoors and, and get winded. Again, if, if you feel like you're struggling with your asthma, Look at that asthma action plan. Call your healthcare provider. Call your doctor to, to let them know what your symptoms are. Um, it, it's critical to have your asthma under control, um, especially with the spread of COVID-19 around. You don't want to end up in the hospital. So um, you, you just want to be, make sure that you're watching for signs um, that your asthma is not under control. So um, if you're having to use a controller, you know, albuterol rescue medication, more than twice a week, for example, that probably means that your asthma is not under control and you need to have a conversation with your, your doctor um, if you're having to use that quick relief medication. If you're waking up at night, uh, um, you know, because of your asthma, that probably means you're, it's not controlled as well. Again, so call your doctor about that. Those are the things that you need to keep in mind if you're taking um, oral steroids for asthma. Um, more than two times a year. That's another warning for you. I know it probably works and provides relief, but you really don't want to be taking the oral steroids more than, more than twice a year. So all those things are, are kind of warning signs that you need to keep in mind and talk to your doctor about. Thank you. 
This was submitted by Heidi. Um, my allergies seem to be exceptionally bad this year, which in turn kicks my asthma up a notch. Is there anything special I can do? Yeah, I think we, we covered this, Heidi, a little bit before is, is again, um, you know, follow your asthma action plan, that yellow zone in the plan and call your doctor. They may be able to adjust your medications. Um, if you use over-the-counter products, consider getting a nasal spray because um, sometimes those are better for nasal allergies than, than the oral antihistamines. Um, and then again, also control your exposure to your allergy and asthma triggers again by staying indoors and um, you know uh, vacuuming, using HEPA filters, that kind of thing. Now our question category is moved to in an emergency. Many, many folks had actually submitted this question. Will a mask protect me if I need to go to the doctor or hospital? Yeah, so uh, this is, uh, you know, this has grown as we've watched the coronavirus over time. It's quite controversial. Um, the CDC has recommended it. We've been asking them for very specific guidance on, on mask use. They do recommend that everyone should wear a mask when in public, especially places where social distancing is difficult. Um, and you know, a couple things to just remember here with this question, it's possible, we've seen reports and there's some data out there, it's possible to have uh, the novel coronavirus, but, no, uh, but not actually having the symptoms. So that's called being asymptomatic. And then if this is the case, you might accidentally spread it yourself. So, what the mask does is it prevents spread from you to others. I mean, that's the primary reason for the mask and it should fit a very certain way. Um, uh, it has to cover the entire nose and your mouth and chin to be effective. Um, the verdict's still out, which, which masks are most effective for public health. They're, they're obviously the N95 ones, um, but they're ones that they're telling you that you could do at home, the cloth ones. What we recommend is a mask with multiple layers of fabric that are breathable and can fil filtrate particles. And you could kind of stick rule of thumb to the uh, flashlight test uh, to gauge the effectiveness. So if you get a flashlight um, and you shine it through the mask, it should block as much light as possible, but still allow you to breathe. So that, that's kind of our, our guidance. Um, there, but um, definitely masks are, are very important to prevent the spread, especially for those who are asymptomatic. If you're sneezing or you cough, um, you want to restrict that. Thank you. Also an emergency, if I have a bad asthma attack, will I be treated at the hospital or am I on my own? This question was submitted by Martha. Yeah, sure, M Martha. I mean, one of the things to keep in mind is um, you, you don't want, I mean, there's a lot out there about you know, visiting the hospitals. We've talked about it earlier here, but you don't want COVID fears to keep you from calling 911 if you feel you're, you're having an emergency. I mean, that's really important. You've called them, they will ask you um, to the extent that you can, you know, someone's there who can, who can speak, uh, you know, if you're having an attack. Um, if you think you need medical attention, call your doctor right away, you know, in terms of your difficulty breathing. Um, but again, if, if you have an emergency situation, you ought to be calling 911. And that's what's great about this partnership with MedicAlert. Um, MedicAlert has the infrastructure. If you're a, a member of MedicAlert, I think they have your record. And, and, you know, that's something that's really important and clearly what um, CDC uh, recommends, but if you are having breathing, you should call not uh, breathing challenges. You should call nine one one. You should call your doctor. Um, and again, keeping your asthma well controlled um, will help avoid a visit to the emergency room. So um, everyone should have an asthma action plan and really know what to do uh, if you feel like you're having a bad attack and and struggling. Thank you. Um, also in an emergency, this one submitted by Sarah. If my kid has an anaphylactic reaction, should I go to the emergency room? Yeah. So this is another thing that's changed a little bit with COVID-19 and, and how folks are treating things. If your child has a severe allergic reaction anaphylactic, so you're carrying epinephrine, you know, they've used 
talked about uh, epinephrine auto injectors. You should use that epinephrine immediately and call your doctor. You know, in the past, what they've said is perhaps the, the standard of care previously was use the epinephrine and then go to the emergency room. Um, the, the change in the practice now under COVID-19 is use the auto injector right now, call the doctor right away. If the symptoms don't improve, use that second uh, dose of epinephrine, the second auto injector. So for those of you who are familiar with this, you know you should always, if you have anaphylaxis, if you have uh, reactions to certain allergies, you should always be carrying two auto injectors uh, just in case the first one doesn't work, you wanna get the second one in there. Um, and if the symptoms aren't improving and your, your child, you, you know, your, if you're the caregiver, if that person uh, needs emergency medical atten attention, definitely call 911 and explain what's been going on. Um, it's, a, it's important not to avoid um, emergency care because of COVID-19 fears. Um, but in this case, the slight nuance here is um, call your doctor right away if you're having to use, if you administer that uh, um, epinephrine and then um, they can uh, they can work with you. You know, for example, there's one of the doctors on our board said he had a patient who had anaphylaxis. The caregiver gave the child the medication and he agreed to stay on the line through um, the phone and through FaceTime video to observe the child for 30 minutes to make sure he was okay. So. Um, they're saying, uh, you know, call your doctor, um, uh, but they're saying not to go to the emergency room immediately, but um, have those two auto injectors with you and call your doctor. Thank you. There's a category of outcomes. This question submitted by Elizabeth and Lynn. Is there any data that you could share about patients with asthma who have contracted COVID-19? Specifically, what has been the fatality rate? Yeah, so uh, Elizabeth and Lynn, this is, this is a question that we've been struggling with and trying to keep monitoring because, as I said at the beginning of this pre presentation, uh, the pandemic and the data that we're getting when people with asthma um, who have contracted COVID-19 is still in its early stages. So there's not a lot of great data out there and there's some conflicting data and conflicting data on how, how it's communicated. There have been some early reports out of Wuhan, Europe, and New York that indicates that um, while asthma may increase your, your, your risk, it may not be as high of a risk factor as obesity, um, high blood pressure, heart disease, diabetes, uh, kidney failure, liver disease, and some of the other secondary health problems I mentioned earlier. So again, uh, it's important to continue to follow your asthma action plan. I kind of a broken record here, but just want to make sure you guys um, take away that from this this uh, meeting here, that this event, and um, keep it under controls. Um, uh, doctors have pointed out that um, having asthma um, under control is better than struggling to manage it along with virus at the same time. So that's the other thing to keep in mind. So un unclear about the fatality rates, um, still need more data on that. Thank you. Um, here's a question submitted by Gina. Can one get reinfected with the coronavirus? Yeah, so uh, Gina, the, the WHO, uh, World Health Organization, um, says there's currently no evidence of that right, right now that shows people have recovered from coronavirus and are not at risk for uh, getting it again. Um, so it's still early though. There's not enough data out there. Um, you know, you've read a lot about antibody testing and that can show if you've already had the, uh, the virus, but having the antibodies doesn't necessarily mean you'll be protected from getting COVID-19 again. Um, it, there's just not enough data out there yet. Thank you. This category is lung health. Um, this question was submitted by Edith and Carrie. Why is there a run on asthma inhalers? Yeah. Um, Edith and Carrie, we've been spending a lot of time on this, talking to the manufacturers of uh, the medication, talking to the pharmacies, talking to the health insurance plan. What's happened is if this is demand-driven. There are two things that just recently happened. Uh, with the CARES Act that just passed with COVID-19, um, the, uh, the government allowed you to 
fulfill prescriptions, 90-day prescriptions, without prior authorization. So that was to avoid you having to go in to um, the pharmacy directly. So there's increased demand there because people want to get their medications up, up front. So there's demand that way. But the other wrinkle that's going on, and I think there was a question uh, in the chat is this, about this as well, is um, some of the treatment and standard of care for, for uh, asthma and some other respiratory issues is to use a nebulizer with albuterol. And albuterol is, is what's in the, some of those canisters, canisters, which is the rescue medication. And sometimes that is administered through a nebulizer that uh, creates a mist, an aerosol, where you can inhale that um, uh, albuterol as a rescue medication. Um, but in using that nebulizer, it also, as you inhale it, you exhale it, it spreads the virus. So they've, they've changed that. Um, and they have, there's been more of an increase. They've, they've recommended not using nebulizers in a hospital situation or in a clinical situation, and instead use the inhalers that contain the albuterol, um, and you use it with a spacer. Um, you know, that's the best practice for it. And so that's where the demand has increased. It's flipped from using nebulizers to using um, canister inhalers. Um, for, for treatment here. So that's where the increased demand has come from in some of the hospitals. Um, what we've tried to communicate, what's really important is keep a 30 day supply on hand, but don't stockpile. I mean, cause that doesn't do anyone any good. We're trying to keep listening. Um, we've sent a survey out just to hear whether there are shortages. There might be some spot shortages that we've heard um, around the country, but um, what uh, what's really driving um, uh, the run or, or some of the shortage rumors on asthma inhalers is this change in treatment combined with folks trying to fulfill their 90-day prescriptions. Thank you. Also on lung health, submitted by Kathleen, how do I deal with disinfecting agents that are irritating to lungs and cause asthma, like hand sanitizer and bleach solutions? Yeah, that, that's, that's a tough one. And in fact, you know, interesting story. When we were based here in Washington, D.C., just outside of D.C. in Arlington, Virginia, and when we started hearing reports of, you know, there was one person who had um, one, we're in a 12-story building, and they had one person in that building who was reported of having coronavirus. Um, so right away, they went to start cleaning everything. And um, for some of us on staff who have asthma, you know, those were real triggers, the cleaning solutions in their effort to um, try and disinfect um, from the coronavirus. So it's hard to avoid some of these uh, harsh chemicals. And that's one of the reasons why I said early on is like, okay, if, if these chemicals are getting to you, you can work from home. That was until we had the full work from home order, but it, it is challenging for um, if you have reactions to these smells. So if, if you can't find unscented products, um, there are a few things you could do to reduce your, your contact. Again, it gets back to some of the basics here, which is washing your hands with soap and water for 20 seconds, because we know that the virus is transmitted from touching a surface and then going to your face or your hands. So if you wash your hands for 20 seconds um, that and wash them well, it removes the virus. Um, if you have to use hand sanitizer, um, you know, make sure that you keep it away from your face after you immediately put it on because sometimes there's sense in that. And, um, you know, so rub your hands together, um, uh, but try and keep them away from your face, giving it any kind of um, fragrance that comes off on it. So scrubbing surfaces, you know, simply with soap and water will work. And so um, again, that, that would avoid some fragrance, um, but, uh, you could also try using a mask when you use those cleaners. And, and, if, if, and, and just always remember, don't mix, don't ever mix cleaning solutions. That's kind of a no-no as well. So um, th there are some formulas here. If, if you wanna use uh, bleach solutions, mix a third cup of bleach, I think is, is what uh, we advise um, with, with water. Uh, just carefully mix those together, but nev never mix it with anything else. But I, I do know that bleach is a trigger. It certainly is for me when you smell it. So it really d depends. I mean, sometimes you might just have to leave the premises and have someone else do the cleaning, um, 
until you could come back and, and those uh, smells and gases are out of there. Thank you. Um, also on lung health, submitted by Karen, if all of us will eventually be exposed to COVID-19, how can an asthmatic best take care of himself? Again, um, thank you, Karen. Uh, people with asthma can best take care of themselves, again, by keeping their asthma un under control, well, well controlled, and staying as healthy as possible. That, that's really critical. Um, manage your asthma so you don't have attacks. Um, take your medic med medicines every day as directed by your doctor. Again, follow that asthma action plan. Um, make sure you understand when you're struggling and then call your doctor in case you need to adjust your medication. And again, um, you know, in this, uh, in the allergy environment, in the pollen season, avoid going out. I mean, you're supposed to be avoiding going out now anyway, but um, if there's strong pollen released, you're seeing that on the weather report, don't go out because um, if allergies trigger your asthma, you want to make sure to take, to take care of yourself there. And then, you know, common sense stuff, get plenty of sleep, um, try and manage your stress level, eat well. I mean, all those things have an impact on, on your health and all these chronic, chronic conditions. So um, in, in this environment, you know, we'll see, uh, you know, as you go back to work, that, that, that's the big question, you know, how, how are we going to deal with this going forward? Thank you. Also, just as a precaution, make sure you have your medical alert ID on yeah. in case something happens and your information is up to date. Um, looks like we have a few more minutes for some questions. Um, so I'll, I won't advance the slides just so you know that change, that question won't change. Um, but we have a question from Eileen. What are the health recommendations during this pandemic for people with food allergies? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, the, the same thing that the key one that I mentioned to you um, is that uh, if, if you have uh, a need to use your epinephrine auto injector, so if you're having an anaphylactic reaction, uh, make sure to call your doctor immediately so they know that you're using this um, and that uh, they can advise you on what to do, whether you need to go to the emergency room uh, you know, having that second dose available. So that is, in a worst case scenario, important to have. And, you know, for those of you on medical alert with your IDs and, you know, that the infrastructure, I think, at, at medical alert would probably advise you the same thing, given some of these changes. And then with the food allergies, um, we have surveyed our uh, community and we understand it is tough because with some of the, the delivery, you know, some of the food shortages that might be out there, the bare shelves on, um, you know, in, in the supermarkets, uh, some of the foods that you're used to using, um, which are reliable, um, uh, aren't there anymore. So what we'd really advise is just read the labels very carefully to make sure that there are no uh, allergic triggers in there that someone might, might have uh, an allergy to. Um, and then uh, clearly, if, if, if you have it, make sure you, if you need to, call the manufacturer um, and see whether they could let you know if there's uh, that specific allergen in there. But sometimes manufacturers aren't, aren't always that helpful, but um, that's what we recommend to do. Great. Um, I have a question from Kathleen. Are there any statistics on the number of children with asthma that have been diagnosed with COVID-19? Um, I, I, I wish there were, but there aren't right now. I mean, again, as I said earlier, it's, it's too early to tell right now. There's not enough data out there. Um, I think they have the age uh, uh, group, the age demographics, the approximate age de demographics. It's quite small for the younger age groups. And I said, um, as I mentioned earlier, that those who are over 65, um, are are more susceptible to COVID-19, you know, that, that that's the higher risk group. Great. Also a question from Cheryl. How do patients with asthma and lung disease know when it's safe to return to a normal life and work? And what precautions do we need? Yeah, so, you know, I, I think there are a couple things here. Again, work with your healthcare provider to make sure that they um, know uh, what your condition is and how you're feeling, so your medications are appropriate and at the right levels. Um, again, I, I think as as we go out there, 
if you're in a high risk category, having, uh, having a mask, um, still practicing social distancing as you go out there, we're fully expecting that things aren't gonna be normal um, when you go back to work. So if you are in a higher risk factor, uh, make sure you practice all the things that you've been practicing right now when it's time to go back to work, because things might not change that much. Um, it, it, it's still quite the same. There's no vaccine for this right now. So I think you have to continue to protect yourself in the same way you are right now. Protect your asthma first, make sure it's controlled, understand um, how you're feeling and, and what medications you need, work with your doctor, and then uh, make sure as you think about going back to work um, that you have a, a plan and practicing social distancing, washing your hands, all the things that we've been doing now. Thank you so much. Um, I have a question from Carol. How can I boost my immune system to have better lung health? Yeah, Carol, um, that, that, uh, I think we, we talked about some of that, that stuff earlier, which is getting good sleep, um, you know, living healthier life. I mean, th that's good for your immune system overall. I don't, I don't think there are any very specific things you could, you could do. Um, I, uh, I mentioned, you know, when there's, uh, pollen right now and, uh, it's the height of pollen season, uh, making sure you stay indoors or use indoor air quality and cleaners. Uh, vacuum cleaners inside with HEPA filters, um, but I, um, you know, absent that, uh, you know, just trying to lead, lead a healthy life, getting good, good sleep and eating well, um, and working with your doctor is probably the most important thing you can be doing for your immune system and your overall health. Great, thank you. And this question just in from Mary, do asthmatics need nebulizers, oxygen concentrators, and blood oxygen level testers on hand? Yeah, again, I don't know that you need them on hand specifically. I mean, some, some of you might have nebulizers already because your doctors, I, I know when my, uh, my son, uh, he got his first nebulizer treatment at nine months old and we had that at home. He's in his 20s right now, but um, I remember that first treatment. So we had them at home and we had it on hand. So your doctor will tell you if you need that nebulizer at home. Um, there's been some press about the pulse, pulse oximeters. Um, out there right now, and we're running that through our medical scientific council because that monitors and can provide some monitor on your your oxygen levels in your blood, and that could be uh, an early indicator if um, you're having issues with respect to breathing and, and lung health. So um, those things are very much on our radar right now, and, and stuff that we'll be looking at and keeping in mind going forward. Thank you. Depolias asks, can asthma be cured completely? And if not, which medications are best to control it? Yeah, so unfortunately there's no cure for asthma right now. Uh, 3,600 people die a year from asthma, so it is can be serious. Um, so what the practice right now is, is to try and control it as best possible. So what I was talking about earlier was Albuterol is a rescue medication. So that's if you are struggling and you are having trouble breathing, taking the rescue medication should help you um, improve your breathing. And then there are controller medications that have some combination of the albuterol, but also inhaled steroids that will reduce the inflammation in your lungs. So those are, um, those are the two different kinds of medication that are commonly used in moderate to severe asthma. And then for the question earlier, there are biologics out there right now where if all those don't work for you uh, in a maintenance uh, form, then having injectables and those biologics tend to, to work for some people and can be game changers for some uh, in terms of controlling your severe asthma. But again, that's working with your doctor to determine um, what the best approach is there. There's a, also a medical uh, procedure called BT therapy, bronchial tracheal therapy, where um, it's a little bit more aggressive, but that's a physical procedure that you could have on your lungs. All those options are things that you should be talking to your doctor about um, as you discover you have asthma and monitor your asthma action plan. Um, their doctors are very much aware of the asthma action plan and will uh, test you or talk to you 
get a sense for how you're feeling when you come in and adjust your medication accordingly. Great. Looks like we have time for about one more question. And this is related to um, going back to our normal lives. Um, we're not feeling that our nine-year-old with asthma should attend school when it opens, being more vulnerable to a serious COVID-19. What do you recommend? This question's from Deborah. Yeah, well, um, I, I, I think it's really gonna depend on the school district and kind of how, what, what your comfort level is and working with the school. So for example, uh, I mean, these are completely different times, but um, I, I could just use an example with respect to food allergies specifically, but this is also the case with, with asthma. If you're sending a child back to school and that they've got specific respiratory issues, asthma or food allergies, the school has to be able to work with you um, to accommodate um, those specific conditions. So if you go to our website, afa.org, we've, we've got some guidance on there um, in how to approach the school if you have asthma and allergies, if your child does, and ways you can work with the school to go back. Now, with that said, um, many of the schools are closed down now, and we're not sure what's going to happen going forward. So I think that that's a, a great unknown, but I think making sure that the school knows your child has asthma or uh, you know, life-threatening food allergies is very important as you get, um, as we start to go back to kind of the school environment. Great, thank you. We actually do have time for one more question. I have one last question, it's from Paige. As a child care provider, how can I support children with asthma and allergies and their families? Yeah, um, thank you for that question, Paige, because um, we, we rely on you. And in fact, many of us will have to rely on you when we go back to work and we, we trust our, our kids our, our, we, with you. Um, I'd say, first off, really understanding uh, allergies and asthma. So the asthma action plan, um, I think there'll be some slides later in terms of where you could go on our website. It's all free information. But to the extent that you can understand um, uh, asthma, allergies, food allergies, if you're, uh, you're a caregiver and the children have any of those, is really helpful to us as parents. I mean, clearly for me, when my kids were young, um, having someone, if I, we had a babysitter in or a caregiver, making sure we felt confident in them that they knew what to do in an emergency is really important. So I think, uh, you know, that's one of the great things about this partnership with MedicAlert um, in, in that, um, you know, they have the infrastructure, they have the procedures to, to help their members know what to do in the event of an emergency. It's right there on the bracelet. Um, but as a caregiver, as uh, someone who, who's caring for kids, is knowing what to do in an emergency and then understanding all the things related to food allergies, for example, cross-contamination um, is, is one issue. Uh, and then also being sensitive to that sometimes these kids can get bullied in school and offer and are often bullied and, and just trying to help them with that as well, I think could be very reassuring to the kids and, and to the family and to the parents. Kenny, thank you so much. Can you tell us more about some of the resources that AFA provides for people with asthma and allergy? Sure, I'd, I'd be happy to. I think we've got a couple slides here. You know, th this, this slide here, we talked a lot about this, but we have a blog that we update on a regular basis. And um, it's titled Coronavirus, What People Need with Allergies Need to Know, with Asthma Need to Know. So these are the links here. Uh, the, the head of our Medical Scientific Council, Dr. Mitch Grayson, has also written some things, again, talking about complying with your medication. We covered a lot of this um, uh, just in the Q&A here. If you flip to the next slide, you can see what else is, um, what you've got there. The other thing to remember, we, we just talked about food allergies, um, but and there was a good question about that with respect to COVID-19. The thing we didn't get to is eczema. Um, these are all um, the same immune system response. Um, eczema is atopic dermatitis. They call it the atopic march, but food allergies, asthma, eczema are all kind of the same um, immune system response. It just depends on the varying levels and who has it. But when you're doing a lot of hand washing, there's tendency to be skin irritation, so that could be a trigger for eczema. So we've got some advice on the website on how to deal with that. 
go to the next slide. Um, and then um, our team is keeping in contact. We had a little bit of dialogue about uh, the shortages of albuterol. So that's one thing we're keeping an eye out for. But also, as we hear about healthcare coverage opening up, some states opened up health, open enrollment given uh, folks losing their jobs and not being at work. So we tried to alert our community about that. We'll continue to do that. Um, and as we get more information, as this has changed for us, you know, it can change on a daily basis. We, we try and update it, that information and keep it on our website. So, um, you know, definitely visit there. Go to the next slide. Um, I just talked about drug shortages. So this one here, uh, no, you, you could, well, I, I just paused. You could back up one second. Uh, here's an example okay. of, of uh, if you go back one slide, on the albuterol drug shortages, um, we, you know, again, are working with the FDA, but we just, there was recently a new generic that just came out for albuterol. So that's something that we try and alert people to. So again, as you subscribe to our email list uh, or register in our community, and I, that probably brings us to the next slide here, um, where one of the things that we have is an online community. It's completely free, you can log in, and there's a support network there. There, there are people who are experiencing what you're feeling, uh, or, or you could ask questions of, of them, and they'll, they'll answer it. So it's, it's a little bit um, safer and more protected because it's moderated than Facebook. We're also on Facebook and some of the other social media platforms. We also have an Ask the Allergist. So if you have a question, uh, we can send it to our Medical Scientific Council and get it answered for you in a couple of days. So um, there's updates on research, a lot of things there. So if you go to afa.org uh, slash join, um, aafa.org slash join, um, you can find us there. There's also a button, I think, said, saying get support. Um, if you go to the next slide, the other thing to remember here is if you want to learn more, so someone asked a question about what can I do as a, as a caregiver for a family. If you want to learn more about asthma, um, we've got, and, and allergies, we've got online learning there, which uh, is available to you. These are self-paced courses. In some cases, I think they're, they're free. They're, we have a, a partnership with the CDC uh, where we've developed this online curriculum. If you flip to the next slide, you can see, um, uh, what they look like. So when you go there, these are various uh, courses that we have. So someone asked about, um, you know, uh, how you deal as a caregiver. We've got managing your child's food allergies. So that would be appropriate. Uh, severe asthma care for adults. You know, that's one. Asthma care for adults is there as well. And then asthma management education. Those are for healthcare professionals. But again, all those are available on our website. Um, the other thing I'd say last, uh, probably this is the last slide, I think, but um, we have an online recipe database that's uh, tested and populated by um, those who are in the community. So I remember, you know, once our kids were diagnosed with food allergies, when the first one was diagnosed with a food allergy, you, you needed to know how to put a meal on the table and what recipes to use. And so that's a resource that we provide. And want to make sure that uh, you know that's available completely for free. Um, and you could go to our website and find that there on the AFA website, or you could go to kidswithfoodallergies.org slash recipes. I think it's on there. Um, and you can find those recipes there. Great. Kenny, thank you so much for being our guest today. This has been fantastic, but there's so many questions we didn't get to. I hope you'll come back for another session. Yes, definitely will. And, and again, AFA.org, if you've got any questions there, register in our community and we're happy to answer them, but also look forward to coming back again and, and uh, working with your membership here. Great, thank you. Um, please visit our Coronavirus Resource Center, which has some really great information from trusted resources. And also, if you enjoyed today's discussion, feel free to see our past Healthy Hour recordings in that area as well. Um, also to let you know, um, we will be having a, another healthy hour in approximately two weeks. We'll be announcing that topic and date shortly, and you can get to the page here to register. Um, also, we love feedback about our sessions today. 
Um, so if you don't mind answering our question that comes across your screen, um, I'm just going to talk through a little bit more while you're doing that. Just want to make sure that um, you take these proactive steps to update your medical alert record and ensuring that that's always up to date. Um, it's really important because that's the information that we provide in an emergency to responders calling on your behalf. I'd like to thank you for joining today. And we hope that you found this valuable. Stay safe and stay healthy. Great. We'll thank you. you. Thank you, Melody. Thank you. Bye-bye.